0: all right sixers fans welcome to a new episode of sixers daily i'm your host jazz king Some things to discuss in 6 or 9, Tyrese Maxey becoming a quarterback. I'm just messing with you, but you got to check out the highlight of that. Uh, Also, we'll do some breakdown of the schedule and just talk about the team in general. Also, have to get into some Kevin Durant talk as well. But before we do, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Catch us wherever you get your fix, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. Always appreciate if you take the time out to give us a five-star review if you're inclined to do so. And also, don't forget to check out our talented writers at LibertyBallers.com as well. Joining me is a man who has covered the team a long time, uh, does his own podcast called That's Ball Folks, Mr. Josh Reynolds. Josh, first off, how you doing? How's the summer been treating you?
1: Jazz, man, doing really well. Summer's been great. I uh, I really appreciate you having me on. I've been, been a big fan of yours and the podcast for a while. Oh, thanks, man. I
0: appreciate that, even though you probably haven't listened to it and secretly just keep button me up. I appreciate that, Josh. <laughs> no, I'm not messing with you. No way, man. <laughs> not well, let's, at all. Let's jump into this right now. I don't know if you saw the highlight. Jackson Frank wrote about this on our site at Liberty Ballers. Tyrese Maxey obviously grew up in Garland, Texas, so going to have the football tie in there. Did you see this? This guy's winging the ball 45 yards downfield.
1: Why isn't he playing in the NFL, Josh? Dude, I did. And I absolutely loved it. As if Tyrese Maxey couldn't possibly become any more likable. He, he all of a sudden just shows us that he's got an NFL talent arm. It's amazing. The dude, every time I see a clip of him doing anything, it just brings an immediate smile to my face.
0: <laughs> you know what? He's turning into like this Philly elite, like up there with the, with the, Likes of Allen Iverson, you look at Nick Foles became this hero, obviously, after winning the Super Bowl with the Eagles. But when you look at Maxie as a player, we've seen him just make like a huge jump from year one to year two. And we kind of saw the potential. And it's funny. I was I did an interview with him out at camp last last year. And just talking to him, and he told me what he wants to work on, wants to become a better three-point shooter, wants to evolve his game in terms of being a playmaker. And we saw him do that, right? He he jumped from eight points a game in his rookie year to 17 and a half in year two. Uh, Assists went up to 4.3, doubled his assist average. When you look at why he's just been embraced so much by the fans, the media starting now to pay attention to just how good this guy can be, why do you think he's appealing so much, not only to the Philly fans, but just around the NBA
1: as well? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I honestly think it's the perfect storm. Um, I, I hate to bring him up, but I think the whole combination of how Ben Simmons left Philly and how that was all handled during that season with Tyrese making this insane jump that I'm going to be honest, I don't think any of us expected to see at least this quick. I think it was the perfect storm of we needed somebody to step up when we're all down and Embiid's carrying the load all by himself. We saw little glimpses in that Atlanta series. Um, Game six, he absolutely dominated. He's the reason we won that game and forced game seven. Mm -hmm. But I think him getting that opportunity when he did us needing somebody to step up into that role and then just to see him continue to improve, to hear all the quotes like Doc Rivers said the other day that this is the most talented, hardworking 21 year old he's ever been around. You look at all the dudes who Doc Rivers has been around. That's quite the list. So everything we hear about him, everything we see, he continues to improve It's unbelievable. And I think the fact that he just has that charismatic personality, he's always happy and smiling and bubbly, like he's impossible to not root for. And I I'm at the front of the line on the Tyrese hype train.
0: Oh yeah, I love watching him play. And there was that stint last year, if you remember, early in the season, where the Sixers were decimated by the COVID stuff. They had injuries. Mm -hmm. Tobias Harris, obviously, Joel Embiid missed about eleven games in that stretch as well. And he just stepped up, carrying the team on his back. You know what I mean? Creating offensively, and there was nothing the 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 opponents could do about it. And and when you look at him now, like you mentioned, he's twenty one years old, going to turn twenty two in November. We've heard, and again, we'll we'll jump into this a little bit more in detail as we as we go further in the pod here. But when you look at Potentially including him in a trade for, again, Kevin Durant is the guy. He's one of the best players in the NBA, best of all time. If you look at his scoring ability, would you be hesitant to add him in any deal at this point? If you are getting a player like Kevin Durant, or are you a part of the group that's like, hey, if you get a chance to get a legit superstar, obviously you got Embiid, you got Harden, you got to make that move right now.
1: I am, I am right there in the middle. It honestly depends on the day, to be honest. Like. I tweeted something and I, and I stand by this. You have to look at it from this perspective. The main goal is to win a championship, right? That's why the Sixers play basketball is to ultimately win the championship. I personally think if you can go get Kevin Durant, who you just mentioned, I would argue is the best basketball player on the entire planet. If you can go get him, you do it. I think he gives you the best chance of winning the whole thing. If you compare him, Harden and Embiid together, I mean, come on, that's insane. Now that's not a knock on Tyrese. I tweeted something last week that said basically that of like, Hey, if our goal is to win at all, let's go get him. And I got, there was, it was, it was kind of split 50 50, but I understand the side that the Tyrese maxi homers and diehards that they're on. Like I get that. It's, I, I honestly depends on the day. Like if Tyrese continues to improve, it's honestly hard to even like fathom that he can make another jump like he did last year. But if he does that, then no, absolutely absolutely not. I I want to continue and hang on to that guy because he's gonna lead Philly for the next 10 to 12 years. Why would you want to give give up something for uh older Kevin Durant who I mean realistically he's got what four years, three, four years? Yeah. Um, so I I, I see it both ways. Um, if it's me right now having to to make the decision, I do it. I go get Kevin Durant because again, at the end of the day. I personally think he gives us the best chance of, of winning a championship and man, I just want to win. I just want to win one. Oh, I think that's where, that's
0: where everybody's, everybody's at with this team. And obviously I haven't made the conference finals since, since 2001 when the Iverson years and they ended up coming up short against obviously a, a stacked Lakers team at that time. But when you look at what the Sixers have done so far, Josh, when you look at the, the additions in terms of PJ Tucker, Daniel house, De'Anthony Melton, obviously they needed that, Depth, and we we saw them struggle that last year, and there was just a difference between. And I've said this on the pod often as well. You look at what the Celtics had, what the Bucks had, and missing Chris Middleton as well obviously killed their chances of, of getting back to at least the conference finals. But then you look at Miami, right? And and those teams just had more NBA level talent. Now, as much as everybody's hoping that Matisse Ibel would turn into this, you know, two way player, obviously dominant on the defensive end, but still be able to hit at least an open three from the corner once in a while. Yeah. Um, and that didn't happen. And then George Niang as wonderful as he was last season and played hurt in the playoffs, had some knee problems. But when you look at what the moves Daryl Morey and co have done, where do you put the Sixers in the Eastern conference pecking in order at this point, obviously without seeing the team play a game yet.
1: Yeah. So I, I am a huge, huge fan of every move that Daryl made this off season. He looked at the roster last year and how, yes, we had some injuries and some dudes banged up. I mean, Joel Embiid was half of a player out there and was still dominating, but we had zero dogs. We had zero physical players, and he immediately took care of that. Like you said, the whole Matisse thing, how it kind of went out in the Toronto series, and it just kind of felt like all the air was a little bit deflated in his sails to go get a Daniel house, to go get a PJ Tucker and to go get who I think is going to be the most underrated move. I'm not kidding in the entire league and have the biggest impact is D'Anthony Mountain. He is nasty. He is. I mean, if you remember, he led Memphis when jaw was out to like 20 and two record. He is, he is the guy. And not only does he get it done offensively, he's a freak athlete, but that dude is long and he is a great defender. So th- I can't possibly uh, sing enough praises to what this team did in the offseason. Again, that's saying it on paper, right? We haven't seen them play. We haven't seen them get together yet. But I couldn't be, po- I legit couldn't possibly be happier. I have us right up there. I-, I still think you've got Boston and Milwaukee. I mean, who on earth knows what's going to happen with Brooklyn, but I still like us above them as is right now. I-, I i think we have a good of as good of a shot in the Eastern Conference as anybody else does. Josh, when you look
0: at maybe some of the shortcomings the Sixers still have, again, comparing to last season, the athleticism was was lacking in terms of with the depth and having guys out there who could could do things at both ends of the court, when you look Mm -hmm. at what the Sixers might still be missing in your opinion. What's one area that you think that they might have problems with? And again, this is, it's funny because I, I did tweet this out too. I'm like, dude, you don't have to give us the NBA schedule solely. They play 82 games. And in all honesty, other than October and November, nobody cares about the league really in January and February in terms of like casuals, the, the diehards yeah. are still going to watch all 82 games. But when you look at one area that you think they still have some room for improvement, what do you think that would be?
1: Yeah, this is a touchy one, right? Because if you get DeAndre Jordan last year, that was <laughs> it was kind of such a disaster. Not kind of, it was a disaster. And so I wouldn't even say it's it. I wouldn't say it's an area needed of improvement. It just is the biggest question mark because we don't have another vet big on the roster, and I think that's great. So that's to see. Okay, is Paul Reed gonna go out there and improve? Is Charles Bassey gonna get minutes and actually contribute and show us what he can do? I'm sure you've seen the videos of Bassey out there with Harden getting some run in, in the summer. I love it. I absolutely love that. But I think that is the biggest question mark um, kind of attached to this team because if you look at wing depth, right, we, we solve that problem. We've got Daniel house. We've got PJ Tucker. You got D'Anthony Melton who can come off the bench, kind of handle things as a guard goes whenever Harden or Maxi's out. So I think that is at least on paper that's handled but for me, the biggest question mark is going to be down low. Can Paul Reed, can Charles Bassey hold that down? And heaven forbid, let's not bring in another old, old vet who must have some like blackmail over NBA teams or something because how that dude's still getting signed and how Denver gave DeAndre Jordan a, a deal is beyond me. But hey, we'll, we'll leave that to the uh, to the people who are paid to make that decision.
0: Well, it's interesting too because you look back at, at last year when they bought DJ in after he was, he was bought out. You're kind of like okay, like why why do they really need him? Okay, you need some depth. You need, you want an old guy, but then Doc Rivers, again, just and we saw what Paul Reed could do in the in the playoffs, and and yep. he's still working on on not fouling as much, and a, a, that comes with young guys, especially not highly touted coming into the league, but moving your feet instead of your hands on on defense. You know what I mean? Staying on the ground, not mm-hmm. really committing to try and block too many shots if uh, you're gonna commit a foul, and so we saw him kind of get some good minutes there. When you look at Doc Rivers. Are you how confident are you from a scale from like zero to ten that he's the guy that could lead this team to a championship? Because to me, look, I I think Doc Rivers as a person is great. Every time you interview him, and he's he's wonderful with the with the media. Was a bit you know touchy last season and started questioning things. But Mm -hmm. you look at him. What's your confidence level that he's the guy to be able to lead this team to a
1: championship? Going into the season, my confidence is actually pretty high. I'm not gonna lie to you, and I know that's not a popular answer in in the Philly (laughs) the Philly world, but I I really am. It's If you look at how much time he had with the roster that we had last year since the James Harden trade, that's not a lot of time. Like, of course, they're not going to immediately gel and mesh and and play exactly like you want them to, especially with the injuries. Injuries happen, things like that happen. I get it. But I I truly think that Doc Rivers could be the guy this year. I think his window is this year, um, no matter what the team or anybody might else report. I think that if he can lead us to the conference finals, He will obviously secure his job, but I feel confident, man. I really do. I I think that seeing him make the adjustment, even though it was a little one, but seeing him decide, okay, I'm, I'm going to sit DJ. Let's actually give Paul Reed these minutes. I think was a huge step for him because like you said, there were some points in last year where it almost felt like he was being attacked. And to be honest, he kind of was, there was, he's getting a lot of pressure of like, Hey, your teams have choked in the past. Like at what point do you look back and be like, okay, this falls on the coach's shoulders. And I think him kind of swallowing his pride and being like, all right, you know what? You're right. We're going to sit DJ and put in Paul Reed. I think that was a big step that might sound cheesy, but I really do. So I'm looking forward to see him hopefully continue and, and mold this roster that we put together and, and uh, see him play well together. And and one other thing I wanted to touch on, you mentioned him a little bit uh, earlier is Niang. I love Niang. So I'm located here in Utah. I followed Niang his whole time with the jazz and Niang last season was not in the role that allows him to thrive. Now, what I mean by that, he gets, he got way too many minutes. I I think he played Mm -hmm. a role that he did not expect to play right off the bat and us bringing in these, these free agent moves of PJ Tucker and Daniel house, that is going to allow Niang to move back into the role that he will absolutely thrive in. He's not going to be overwhelmed with minutes. He's going to be able to be the guy who comes in off the bench and just launches, Yes, of course, he's got some shortcomings. He can't put the ball on the floor. He's not a great defender. He's a little bit slow. We didn't sign him for any of those things. We designed him to come off the bench and absolutely launch. And I think with our roster constructed as it is, is going to allow Niang to absolutely flourish.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And I think that's where we were talking about earlier. Josh is, is the depth, right? Like if if, yep. if you're a deeper team, George Niang is your eighth guy, right? Not your sixth exactly. guy. And I, think exactly. that's where, yeah, and I think that's where uh, I, he obviously doesn't hesitate. The guy will shoot from anywhere on the court mm-hmm. if he's beyond the three-point line. And so I'm with you. I think bringing in guys like Tucker, like you mentioned, Melton and House, will, will allow them to... Put these guys in in different positions. The same thing with Matisse, right? Like again, all world defender in terms mm-hmm. of uh, locking down the opponents, and you can put him on the best player. You look back at what he did against Steph uh, in that game at Wells Fargo, where with the Sixers won. This was before the Harden trade. Yeah, And yep. he was he was great, and so you see his potential. But again, you can use him in that role where okay, maybe instead of playing twenty minutes a night, you got him out there for twelve to fourteen, and I think that's just going to to help the squad. I do want to ask you this though, too, Josh. When you look at now what's your ideal starting lineup for the Sixers? Obviously you got Embiid, Maxie, and, and Harden. Who else do you put there out there with them to start the game?
1: I think you got to go PJ Tucker and Tobias. I think okay. that is I think that's your that's your starting 5. That gives you that dog who's on the floor with PJ, a dude who can actually space the floor and knock down corner threes. That's my favorite thing about PJ Tucker. He is not a chucker. That dude is not going to force up anything. He honestly, I guarantee it and I'm calling it now. We can come back to this later during the season we will get mad that P.J. Tucker is not shooting more. That happens. Mm, okay, And I, I love that he is the dude who we have on the floor with us because he's a dude who's very happy if he doesn't get shots, but he's a dude who's very capable of knocking down corner threes. So having him and honestly, Tobias gets a lot of heat and rightfully so with his contract, but he started to really flourish there in the role and kind of getting used to, okay, this is where I fit in and with this team with Harden here now and being ball dominant, everything like that. I really look forward and I fully expect Tobias to continue where he left off last season. I think that he is going to come out of the gate and be really solid for us again. And it, it, yes, his contract is a whole other topic that is a little bit frustrating. I totally get it. But I think seeing him kind of step into that role and find himself, I tweeted it right after Harden, the Harden trade happened. I expected Tobias to be affected uh, in the most positive way with Harden being on the floor with them. And he slowly started to get into that, but I think that's your starting five. And I think that is a, I think that's honestly as solid of a starting five as, as you can find in the entire league.
0: Oh yeah. They're, they're, they're right up there. And I think even last season, you look at the numbers and the, and the net rating of that starting lineup, they were great. Even, even with, mm-hmm. you know, once uh, before they made the Harden trade and even getting them uh, after that, they were even better. And and you saw again, the, the depth, which I'm, I'm preaching a lot in this podcast is, yeah, that was, that was the the key there. But when you look at, um, the Harden stuff, are you expecting him to, you know, people are talking about he does, he looks great in terms of physically He looks a lot leaner, Um, you know, but when you look at him, are you worried at all that he might degress? obviously going into being a 33 year old and uh, actually turning 33, I think next week. But when you look at um, just in
1: general with him, what are your expectations for next season and what level of Harden do you think we're going to get? I think we're going to see a better Harden than we saw last year. I think that his, his hamstring injury in Brooklyn I mean, do uh, hamstrings a hamstring. Dudes hurt their hamstring and they're out for a long time before they can slowly get back to themselves. And he didn't. He didn't sit a long time. You could tell clearly he was banged up and it honestly besides that one playoff game where he went off and mm-hmm. hit all those threes, we he was like a shell of himself and I think everybody was a little bit disappointed. I fully expect to see a better version of him coming into this season. Like you said, all the videos and pictures and stuff, he's actually there working on his body. He looks great. Uh, yes, the videos of him just playing in kind of open runs. He's playing against dudes who have nine to five jobs. So it's hard to kind of compare. Um, but I I really do. I expect him to kind of come out and we're going to see a James Harden that I think we're used to. And I think that is extremely exciting because Embiid is going to be Embiid. We know what he is. He's the best player in the league, best big man in the league. I love him. So, so to see Harden step up a little bit more than we saw last year, even if he's 10% better than he was last year, that automatically makes us really, really scary.
0: Yeah, and, and, and that's what I think everybody everybody wants to see. And obviously, on the on the two year deal, did did sacrifice money. I know as much as people, you know, whine and bitch and complain about whatever. Yeah. You know, with NBA players, it's like, no, dude, he took he I, I, again. He doesn't need it, but he took fifteen million dollars less in order for this team to improve. And I think that to me showed his dedication to win a championship. Uh, Josh, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, want to just jump into you covering the team. Uh, you started covering them during the process year, so we'll we'll get into that coming up in about a minute here. All right, we are back uh, talking with Josh Reynolds. Josh, I wanted to jump into this as well. As I mentioned, you have your own podcast. You cover the Sixers, uh, Philly guy originally living out in Utah, as you mentioned now. Uh, when you look back at those process years and you started getting into covering the team and talking about the team, what was it like originally with Hinky at the helm? And what were your thoughts when you jumped into to covering the squad?
1: Yeah, it was it was so unique. It was, it was so unique. No team really had ever publicly come out and said, hey, we're going to tank on purpose because... We want draft picks and that's going to give us the best shot, right? I think just looking at all the track records of team, you look at San Antonio, you look at Golden State. Now you've got teams like Boston and and Milwaukee. It's proven. So for them to come out and be like, hey, we're doing this on purpose. It was so unique, but it was so fun. The people who were anti were very anti and like boycotted the team. And then there were a group of us who just owned it and absolutely loved it. And I'm not I'm not kidding. It was some of the funnest times and funnest times of being a basketball fan and a Sixers fan that I can remember, like rooting for dudes like Tony Roten, rooting for dudes like Nick Stauskas and T.J. McConnell. When else are you ever going to be able to do that? (laughs) Like you can't and it will never happen again. And so I absolutely loved it. Looking back hindsight, I think that's what's made our team being a competitive contending team. It makes it that much sweeter because we've been through the lowest of lows, the lowest of possible lows. I remember there were like times during the process years, you could buy a ticket on StubHub for literally less than a dollar to get in the building. That's crazy. And obviously we've come so far. We're not even remotely close to that same team, but kind of joining and, and it was almost this like cult following of the process, uh, the process Sixers and how the entire league and everybody's saying it's bad for sports and everybody's against us. Embiid wore that hoodie one time that said it's Philly versus everybody. And it really is like it, it has been ever since then. And to be a part of that ride has been so much fun and it's made everything and every trade, every good player we've picked up, every win we've picked up since then, it's made it that much more sweet
0: when you look at at the time with with uh once hinky was let go and they bought in the the stupid like temporary things with the clan, such nepotism i hate that kind of stuff happens in media too don't get me wrong you know what i mean when you when you look Uh at that but you look at some of the moves they made obviously the 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 false deal and and you know passing up on on bridges and doing all these stupid dumb things that they did how Mm -hmm. frustrating was that for you when you had all these assets yeah you had the opportunity obviously they got Uh, joel out of it they got ben simmons who was now turned into james harden so those assets did turn into some legitimate top end talent but when you look back at that colangelo time what was that like for you
1: man that was that was such a bummer the i remember when we traded the third pick but when we traded with boston our third pick to move up to one and we knew we were going to take faults i was so unbelievably excited i literally tweeted out saying something like hey send me your venmos like i'm buying drinks to anyone and everyone i was so (laughs) thrilled and I still stand to it to this day. If he doesn't jack his shoulder up, I think that the Sixers have a dynasty. Maybe that maybe that's over. Maybe that's that's hmm. for sure kind of being my homer uh fan self, but they for sure win. I I genuinely believe that. So to see that all go down and then to see Tatum just turn into what he is. And to I I I mean, I don't think that we would ever Tatum, it was never possible for us to get Tatum. If the Sixers or the Celtics knew we were gonna take Tatum, they would have never made that trade. But to see trades like that go down, to see just all these kind of boneheaded moves where we're so close, it felt so close, and we were just right on the cusp. So for those things to not work out, it was extremely frustrating because it, it honestly, yes, it was fun being a part of the process years, but once you got a little taste of like, okay, we've got Embiid, we've got Simmons, we've got these pieces that are going to get us out of this hole and to push us and propel us to that next level, to see it fall short with moves like that was extremely frustrating.
0: Well, Josh, when you look at the Simmons stuff, right? And obviously, everything went downhill after that series against Atlanta. Again, a series Philly should have absolutely won um, mm-hmm. against the Hawks team that was again terrible last year. We'll see, uh, not terrible middle of the uh, middle of the run, still playoff squad. But um, when you look at the Simmons stuff leading up to that series, what was the consensus? And what was it like for you when you when you look back at at Ben's time there? Was there always a bit of concern on your part that he's not going to kind of get to that level that you would expect for a number one pick? Obviously, sat out his rookie year and then coming in, like, just never developed a jump shot. So when you look at at his time there, could you see that brewing a little bit leading up to then, or was it a total surprise to see him um, basically collapse in that Philly series, for, or in that Atlanta series, pardon
1: me, for you? It was brewing a little bit. Um, I think anybody who is somewhat familiar, again, being a, a Philly guy here in Utah, the whole rookie of the year race with Simmons and Mitchell and all of Utah fans just absolutely hating Simmons. I had that dude's back from the get go. And honestly, he was my favorite player, like absolutely love Simmons and seeing I, I, I genuinely maybe they were blinders now looking back at it. But I had that dude's back to the end and you could tell it was brewing. Anybody who's followed kind of the rookie of the year race or the Sixers, there was always, no matter what, the dude could have a, a thirty-point triple-double, and still there would be this narrative of he can't shoot, he's not going to propel, he won't be able to be anything if he can't shoot. And I just kind of shoot it off. I was on the side of like, nope, like this is what he is. Let's rather than focusing on what he can't do, let's focus on what he can do. And what he can do, he does things at a very, very elite level. I don't think anybody can argue that defensively, playmaking, the, in transition, getting to the rim, all of those things, but it just so turns out that being able to shoot the basketball in the game of basketball is a little bit important. (laughs) So for everything to go down like it did in that Atlanta series was just such a buzzkill. I was lucky enough. I went to all seven games home and away. It was amazing fun time, but man, that, uh, that it was what game five, where it just the collapse that I've, I've never in my life felt that before in sports where it just was, that was the game when Simmons just couldn't, everybody's like trying to cheer him on and Philly fans get such a bad rap. And people say that they never had Ben's back. Not true. Absolutely not true. They are hundred percent there. The dude just couldn't make a free throw. And then you could tell, obviously his confidence was completely shot after that. And one thing led to another and here we are, but yeah, man, I, and and one other thing about Ben, whether it's mental health stuff, whether I clearly his back was injured, like from a purely basketball fan perspective, I hope the dude comes back and plays well. Like, I genuinely miss watching him play basketball. The way that everything ended was such a bummer. Obviously, I mean, Philly has every right to feel like the way that they do, and I get that. But just from, like, a human perspective, I hope he's doing well, and I genuinely hope to see him back on the floor and at least playing soon. I hope that happens this season.
0: What do you expect from him, Josh? When he uh, when he does suit up for the Nets again on track right now, looks like he's going to be there for opening night. And of course, we know he'll be back in Philly November 22nd with the schedule release this week. What are you expecting mm-hmm. for him um, with with the Nets? And again, this is contingent on the Kevin Durant stuff, which we don't know what the hell is going to happen there yet. But uh, yeah, what are you expecting from Ben just in general from from his return to the court?
1: If if Durant and Kyrie are still there, I think this is the perfect situation for him. Clearly, he doesn't want to be the number one guy. That's fine. That's not who he is. Great. That's okay. If he gets to play alongside the best score, honestly, two of the best scorers in the league with Kyrie and and KD, this is perfect for him. He's got shooting with Joe Harris and and Seth Curry. I think that I fully expect if he comes out, everybody is still on that Brooklyn squad. I think this is going to be his best possible setup for him, and I, I don't expect him to miss a beat. I will be shocked if he comes out and shoots the ball. I don't, I think we're going to see the exact same Ben Simmons that we've always seen. I just have fully expected, like this is him. He's not going to change. Like this is who he is as a player. Um, but I genuinely think if, if that roster is stays as is, this is the perfect situation for him where he does not have to have the ball in his hands one bit when it matters. Um, Kyrie and Katie will handle that. He's got floor spacing. He, he will play the five. I guarantee they'll run small ball lineups where they just try to run and gun and he'll play the five. And, uh, I, honestly, again, taking my Philly goggles off, I'm really excited to see it just from a basketball fan, uh, okay. fan perspective. But that, that's what I, that's what I expect going in. I think that we see the same Ben Simmons, but he's going to flourish if that roster stays the same.
0: I was gonna say, you better be careful, Josh. Don't praise him too much. Otherwise people are coming you.
1: I know, I know this is the wrong podcast and I, I, I just, it, Again, I I, I'm bitter still. Right. And I think every Philly fan has the right to be bitter. It it just, he quit on the team straight up. That's what he did. And, and, uh, but yeah, just kind of taking a step back. I, I talked about it on one of my episodes on my podcast just recently, but it was kind of like, it's sad that this is what it took. But when Kobe passed away, tragically, it made me take a step back and be like, okay, I was not a huge Kobe fan when he played Mm -hmm. and I started to appreciate him towards the end of his career and having just realizing like, oh, whoa, he's gone. Like it's made me kind of take a step back and look at things a little bit differently, which sounds hilarious. And I'm not trying to sound like all old and mature and stuff, but I just am trying to look at things and re- and kind of appreciate them as is like never been a big LeBron fan. I respect him as a player, but being able to look at it from that lens, it's like, OK, yeah, what he's doing is amazing. So just kind of trying to look at things in a a more positive, upbeat way, which I know is not the Philly way. I'm I'm very well aware of that, but just trying to view things of like, okay, yeah, like let's look at Ben for what he can do as a basketball fan. Let's, I hope to see him on the floor. And I hope when he shows up in Philly, which he will not play, I'm calling it now. He's, he's not going to play in that game. I hope we kill them. I hope we do what, what they did to us last year when they came into Wells Fargo. I hope we return the favor.
0: Yeah, that was such a disappointing game. I remember there was that, you know, in the regular season, you maybe get 10, you know, games where everybody's really up for it and you want to see mm-hmm. a good one. And obviously they just got shellacked uh, in that game. Josh, let's wrap up with this. I, like I mentioned, you were a diehard Sixers fan. You've you covered the team. You've got your own podcast. What would a championship mean to you as a fan?
1: Oh, oh man. It, I, I got a little glimpse of it when the Eagles won and that was that was unbelievable that was amazing i'm i'm no dummy the eagles run philadelphia they're philadelphia's team but to see the entire city kind of get back on the sixers bandwagon just as they were in the iverson days has been so amazing to see them win i don't even i don't even know man i one of my buddies nathan he covers the the bucks he's a diehard lifelong bucks fan like i was i had him on my podcast we were talking about it I can't even imagine like if the Sixers won this year, it it sounds funny. And maybe I'm just saying this because it hasn't happened, but it almost be like, I don't really care what happens like any year after, <laughs> like, I just want to experience that ultimate high. And I think it will be that much sweeter. As I mentioned, going through the lowest of lows, going from absolute nothing in the process years to ultimately get there. Like, man, I, I genuinely don't even know what I would do. I know that I would cry real tears, real grown ass man. Tears would fall out of my eyes. That is for sure and i would be on broad street just the happiest man alive and i think i can speak for a lot of philly fans when i say that
0: yeah and and you know what i i know how much like covering the team now for a year and being out there and and going to games i mean paul hadrick my coworker uh, we were together after the, the game against the Raptors that I was there for. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. You know what I mean? Being mm-hmm. in the building and and, and being, I'm like, uh, the energy, I just, I loved it. And so I know how important it is to Sixers fans that they do win. And I know it's how important it is, Josh, that Sixers fans get good content. That's why they should su- subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Uh, we'll wrap <laughs> things up there. But uh, I appreciate you taking the time out, man. I know we, we've been trying to uh, coordinate this for, for a week or so. So glad we finally got to do it. I uh, appreciate having you on and, and getting your insight as well.
1: Of course, Jasmine. I really appreciate it. You're the man. Thank you for having me on.
0: All right, that's Josh Reynolds. You can check out his podcast. It's called That's Ball, folks. Also follow him on Twitter at Josh Reynolds 24 I'm at JazzKing21. one. We'll do That'll do it for this episode. Sean's going to be back in the seat next week. Also, the gastro crew will be back on Sunday. We're going to have you covered for all things Sixers. It's the dog days of the offseason, but training camp coming up in about a month. So we'll have wall-to-wall coverage for you on that. And as I mentioned, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Always appreciate a five-star review. That's it for this one. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back again on Monday. Thank <laughs> you.